Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a spoiler-free review. Yes, we're back to those spoiler-free ones. None of those spoiler ones. Spoiler alert! There's a country called Greenland, which actually isn't a country. It's a part of Denmark. But some people think it's a country, and some presidents of certain countries want to buy it. But he didn't want to buy this movie, or maybe he did. Maybe he enjoyed this movie. I'm speaking of Donald Trump. The movie is Greenland, and for the second time in 2021, we're bringing you a movie review from a movie that actually wasn't released in the year that we are reviewing it, because this is a 2020 movie, and I feel that for a large portion of this year, we're going to be reviewing movies that were meant to come out last year, or did come out last year, but we're finally getting to see it. This is Gerard Butler's second attempt at an end-of-the-world movie, quite possibly my favourite genre of movie. We did End of the World Month last year, which also didn't include that one Gerard Butler movie because we did that in Movies We Hate Month. <laughs> uh, this movie also stars uh, Marina Baccaran, and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess Scott Glenn's in there. Um, this is directed by Rick Roman. War! What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Do it again now. And I'm looking forward to talking about this movie because I feel this was a long time coming in us actually being able to get to see this. I think it's been out in certain parts of the world for a long time and apparently (laughs) in our part of the world we only got it recently and discovered that we could find it in certain ways. My name is Ben and Greenland is covered with ice and Iceland is very nice. (laughs) And my name is Colin. I'm kind of like a big snowball, but made out of gas. I've always thought that about you, Colin. Um, very quotable movie, Greenland. The quotes <laughs> simply flow through. That's why I decided to use a quote from a different movie. Uh, if you're listening, you know what movie that's from. Send us in. And if you get it, as I just said to Colin, you win a free car. Um, may or may not be a die-cast replica, but hey, it's car's a car. Um, I'm just going to say this. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I surprised no myself. Kidding. In enjoying this movie, I had no expectations. It's Gerard Butler. Uh, it's the end of the world movie with Gerard Butler. And I think we talked during Movies We Hate Month that we haven't really had a good end of the world movie since 2012. And let's be honest, that's not really a good end of the world movie. <laughs> yeah. That's just a guilty pleasure of ours. It's a pretty crap movie, but for some reason we weirdly enjoy it. Maybe not a good end of the world movie since the day after tomorrow. And... This is a good end of the world movie. It's not brilliant, but it's it's not crap. And I think that's what I've been reading and what I've been watching on YouTube. This is pretty much the opinion of Greenland. It's it's a lot better than people ever thought it was going to be. And it's it packs a punch, this movie. I liked it. Yeah. No, there's a lot to like about this movie. And uh, I think that there were moments where I started to think, wow, is this going to be a great movie? And in the end, it ends up being a really good movie. Mm. Uh, but... It's so similar to 2012. Like this, this could have been one sequence of 2012, just with a lot less action. It's just they play it straight. It's not a, a an outright cartoon, and we appreciate that about 2012 that it's an outright cartoon. Uh, but it's kind of nice to see the same type of story being told and just simplified. I mean, I read one review that compared this a lot to the Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds, just in that it's not following the president and the uh, the, the military, I mean, we see some of that, but it's just average person. How does this one person survive? To me, this felt so much like if you cross Deep Impact with 2012, because mm. it is just sort of a personal story. And it, there's a lot of scenes in here that really work. Uh, the thing that I like best about this movie, though, is how 
it, it pretty much shows that everybody's going to become a nut uh, when the <laughs> end of the world comes. Because uh, there's no completely innocent character in this movie. I mean, y- y- you watch these movies and they always have one or two people who are just so outrageous and then putting all lives at stake just to save their own. You think, what a self-centered person. And the, the message of this movie, more than anything else, seems to be, you know what, when the end of the world comes, we're all going to be self-centered. And, and I kind of like that. It doesn't go so heavy-handed on the message. It's just subtle. I think, um, just quickly, you mentioned the War of the World connection. Definitely felt that. I also, I, I think we've talked about this movie before, uh, Skyline. I don't know if you've ever seen Skyline. Yeah. Um, reminded me a lot of that. And kind of like maybe even like a Cloverfield. Like it's sort of, it's mm-hmm. that point of view movie from the survivors. We're learning about this at the same time. And as you said, you're not relying on let's cut to the White House and see what they're going to do to prevent it. And that's not always a bad thing. Like we talked a lot about, say, during Batman v Superman, about how it's cool to kind of see the global reaction to what would happen if, you know, Superman and Batman are fighting and things like that. Um, not always a bad thing, but like I also do enjoy a good movie like this where you're kind of on the, that ride and that's what this movie is. And yeah, 2012, I mean, it, it's it's essentially the plot of 2012, um, but <laughs> it doesn't have Roland Emmerich basically going, am I going to have this? Am I going to have this? Am I going <laughs> to do this? Am I going to blow it up? And there's going to be a dog and an evil Russian um, and Woody Harrelson stone on a mountain in Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> Um, but the other thing too, which if this movie had come out two years ago, are we going to feel the same? I feel that like yeah. you just, with everything that's happened in the last 12 months, obviously not to the level that is in this movie, but I think we can kind of connect with this movie a little bit more now, sadly. Um, yeah. because obviously we're going through something, you know, we're, we're not going through a comet coming to earth, but we're still going through something which is somewhat weirdly similar and i don't know if that maybe connected us a little bit more to this film yeah well i mean that's what we went through a couple of months ago you know when we did 2012 and day after tomorrow and bird box i mean bird box was the weirdest one because you think there's no way that this is going to feel relevant and in some ways it felt the most relevant you know you can find little things in these uh in these movies now uh even as far as in this movie really just what it's about is you know, the end of the world's about to come. Nobody realizes it until one guy gets, you know, uh, an Amber Alert, he thinks, on his phone. And it basically says, hey, you're being rescued. Don't share this with anybody. <laughs> and we don't really know why. And now we sort of have, oh, who's getting vaccinated? You know, what, what do you mean that old people get vaccinated first? Come on. <laughs> they don't have as much to live for as we do. But but that sort of sets off the rest of this movie. And that's what I talked about with the the panic setting in they really could have gone two directions with this. They could have gone the route of just using this to judge everybody, or they could have gone the route of making the clear cut hero. And then you have the villains who are the ones that do this. And the people who do sort of panic in this, which is a lot of what we see now too, you get people on both sides, you know, anti-maskers. And then you get people saying, Oh, you know, if you, uh, if you, you know, even leave your house, then you're putting all lives at risk. And it, you extreme opinions one way or the other. And this is just a movie where it's like, you know what? People are going to act in crazy ways and they don't go so far as to make you judge any of these characters. And I think what makes that most important is that later in the movie, without spoiling anything, Gerard Butler and his wife do a very crazy thing that normally in a movie you would be looking at it saying, what terrible people. But because it comes so late in this movie, you're like, no, that's that's what everybody's doing. And I think the thing that I appreciated about this movie too is that 
there's so many layers where it's opening up for cliche in a, in a yeah. movie like this. And it's not to say there isn't cliches. I mean, I think anybody can go into this movie and understand what's going to, how this movie's going to end. It's an end-of-the-world movie. 99% of these end the same way. This ends the same way. Um, but, like, when you have these things with cliches, like, let's... Okay, the young boy in this movie has a medical condition, which is ripe for cliche. And mm-hmm. when they start going on about his medication, you're like, oh, okay, yep. We know what's going to happen here. Something's, you know, it's it's like in Day After Tomorrow when What's-A-Face gets cut and they need to get the drug. Like, there's, there's always something like, you know, like... Signs. Signs, signs. exactly. I mean, we can... So many other movies like this, right? Um, but that didn't even play out the way I thought it was going to play out. Like, there's a plot around this, don't get me wrong, and you would mm. argue that plot kind of sets them on the path to where they end up. Without that plot, the movie's completely different. But kind of once that happens, that's it. Like it's got okay, that wasn't yeah. the direction I was I thought it was gonna go. Fair enough. Um I think the moment you're talking about right towards the end was something I was going like, oh, okay, this is gonna go a completely different direction, but it kind of went the way it didn't oh, okay, fair enough. There's so many different moments in this movie where the cliche is about to happen and it mm-hmm. kind of goes slightly differently. Again, there are cliches in this movie, the tropes, it's end-of-the-world movie bingo. I mean, Gerard Butler technically is a deadbeat dad, but he's, deadbeat a, different, dad, yeah. <laughs> he's a different deadbeat dad, you know? Uh, uh, let, let's correct ourselves. He's a deadbeat husband, good yeah. dad. Yeah, he's a good dad, deadbeat husband. But you've got to have it. Yeah. You can't just have, like, standard good family. Um, so, yeah, like, and the way it kind of does And also, like, too... In most end-of-the-world movies, there's a message, right? Like, day after tomorrow, mm-hmm. fucking stop being bad <laughs> to the environment. Um, you know... 2012, bird- we should have listened to the Mayans. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, uh, bloody Geostorm, be good to the environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Meg, don't swim with Jason Statham, he'll stab you in the eye. Um, there's always... Independence Day, America's the best. Like, uh, you know... Outbreak. Armageddon. Listen always, to Rene Russo. Yeah, Armageddon. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Put him on an asteroid. <laughs> Team Impact. Walker Freeman should be president. Um, there's always a message. This movie, the message, Gerard Butler maybe not as bad as Ben always thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed Gerard Butler in this movie. Like, I actually... Yeah. At the end, it's going, okay, I maybe finally see it. Like, yeah, Gerard Butler, he's a thing. I get it now. Um, and and speaking of being a thing, Marina Baccarat, why isn't she a thing? Like, <laughs> she's brilliant. I love her. And the kid. The kid's great. What is with me and kids in movies recently? This is happening. I don't know. But he, no Careful. one's bad in this movie. I mean, yeah. The I, com- I was really Sorry, surprised. Sorry, the comet's bad in this movie. Don't destroy the earth. <laughs> I was really surprised with the kid too because um, you have a very young kid. I mean, he's got to be five, six years old, if that. Uh, and there's also a moment, like you said, when they introduce the medical condition. Uh, it's not the medical condition they introduce; it's how that changes the rescue operation of this. Where you're like, "Oh, great! Now I want to blame the kid," you know? Because mm-hmm. you, you, it's almost setting people like us up for none of this would have happened if it wasn't for the kid. But then they throw another little twist in there where you're like, "Wait a second! Did the kid just save lives? Like, what just happened?" <laughs> it's it's always doing the unexpected in this movie. And again, there's nothing brilliant about this movie. But let's let's call it low expectations after a dull 2020. But it's just different enough and it's just unique enough that you come out of this really appreciating it more than I think you you expect to or that you should even. 
And I got like very emotionally involved in this movie. Like it, it felt realistic. Um, I talked yeah. a lot. I made my top 50 movies of all time uh, on the beach. The, the Australian miniseries of the old, um, I think it was a 60s uh, miniseries. And th- that's a end of the world movie. Spoiler alert where there's no happy ending. The, w- the movie, the world ends. <laughs> there's no, mm. And I thought this movie was going on that path. Um, but even and maybe it, it does. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm just <laughs> teasing you. I don't know. But like even on that journey though, like you get to a point where, you know, I feel most end of the world movies have such a build up to it happening. Like, you know, 2012, it's sort of the, what is it? Like I said, over four or five years, this big build up to it. Even day after tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, you know, climate change sped up. But even then, you've got bloody, um, you know, everyone's sort of warning this will happen. And it's going to be so. I generally feel there's a big lead up period in end of the world movies to us expecting wait for the end of the world. This, and this isn't really a spoiler, like, this is literally a, kind of, they're watching a comet. They're like, oh, look, everyone, a comet's coming to Earth. This is, this is a unique event. And then it goes from that to, oh, some of the fragments might break up over Earth, but it's fine, don't worry, to within two days, we're all going to fucking die. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this is like worst case scenario for humans. Like if we're going to live through, I mean, we are living through it, but like if we were going to live through an extinction level event, I think we all would be like, oh, okay, at least give us eight months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not fuck. We wake up, what turn on CNN, ah, 24 hours, we're all going to die. Um, yeah. And that adds to like a, a different connection because this is one of those movies and the, the way it's filmed, the way you're just following this family, you you know, you're following Gerard Butler, you're following Marina background, you're following their kid you're connected through them to a point where you're like, what, what would I be doing in this situation? You're feeling mm-hmm. it with them. You're feeling their desperation. And, I mean, a big criticism of end-of-the-world movies is that there's never character development. It's all about the flash, not the substance, right? You, mm-hmm. you want to see New York get destroyed. You want to see a bird in a box. Like, you, you know, <laughs> you, you want to see these things. You don't care about character development. This is the complete opposite. It's you're only here for the characters, um, mm-hmm. And you you have some special effects of cities getting... There's one city getting destroyed, which I'm very happy about because screw you, stop <laughs> winning the Stanley Cup. Um, so, <laughs> but like, it's... It I knew of, that as soon as that came up, I'm like, oh, Ben's going to be applauding this one. That's for 2004. <laughs> fuck you. Uh, <laughs> but it was... Even have a hold on a second. This is, this is 2020. <laughs> At least we know... We don't know what month to, this takes place in. At least we know they went out as Stanley Cup champs. If we're going to assume that this comes out late 2020, they were the final Stanley Cup champions. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> but like, I really appreciate about that with this movie that emotional connection that you really feel it because that that's in these type of movies. Like, I think you're not a War of the Worlds fan from memory. No. Um, I love that movie and I felt that way with that. And similar to Skyline as well. I feel kind of you. That's what I like about those movies at the same time. So. Um, yeah, that that to me is the biggest positive. Again, I like end of the world movies. I like seeing cities get destroyed. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. this does it on a different level. Where I I at certain points was I, I don't say I was near tears, but you just you definitely feel like holy fuck, like this is deep. And they choose to use the special effects sparingly, not because this is just such a super low budget movie. Uh, one of the things that I like about War of the Worlds, one of my main problems with War of the Worlds, I guess the main problem is is not actually that interesting of a movie. But uh, the major problem I have is that there's nothing wrong with taking a story about the end of the world and telling it from the point of view of three people. That's what I love about Signs. It's the fact that if you're making War of the Worlds, make War of the Worlds. That would be like if you remake Independence Day and you try to make it something like Signs, you know? Uh, but some of the things that War of the Worlds did right is when you have that initial attack from the, the Martians, 
they're showing it just from Tom Cruise's point of view. I mean, sometimes like straight POV shots and it's not about a budget or anything. It's just, that's more interesting to watch. So when you see these comets, you're just seeing Gerard Butler looking at fragments in a sky. You're just seeing planes flying overhead. When you do have the explosions, they're not, let's zoom the camera all the way downtown and then come back and cut to the character. Everything is just what the characters are seeing. You still get some incredible visual effect shots in this movie. I mean, particularly uh, the, the, the main comet explosion near the end, which kind of gets filmed from the air. It's incredible to watch. I mean, it's, it's maybe more interesting to watch than anything we got out of 2012. Uh, it, you don't have the fun of 2012, but it, it's visually so interesting. That's part of what helps with, you know, just telling it from the point of view of these characters too. Uh, what you mentioned about the personal stories and getting invested in them, this goes right along with the whole panic thing that I talked about because you do judge. There's two other characters halfway through the movie here that do something one of the few characters actually get screen time that do something where you're like oh what a terrible thing to do but they keep it personal enough and not intimidating enough that you you walk into that scene being like that was terrible of them but you know what would i have done the same thing and then when your main characters do things at the end you almost are you're you're resisting the urge to cheer for them because you're like, wait a second, but would I do that same thing? There's a, a TV, TV show that made, you know, I think my top 15, maybe my top 10 of all time, The Twilight Zone I talk about, the classic Twilight Zone. And one of my favorite episodes of that is one of the only ones that has no sci-fi connection at all, no horror connection. It's just uh, a warning, a nuclear bomb warning that goes off. And one family goes into their shelter, but they're the only ones on the street that have a shelter. So the entire episode is this family in a shelter and everybody else banging on the door, their neighbors, their family saying, let us in. And the whole dilemma is if I let you in, we're all going to die. You know, there's not room for us to survive in here. There's not the Simpsons in an episode, you know, uh, kind of a take on that. And that's such an interesting idea that nobody really explores in these movies. I kind of look back now after seeing this on 2012, when you have John Cusack, who we're supposed to have the, the Russians who are like, Oh, you're all going to die. And he's like, what a terrible thing to do. They're going to leave us here. But it's like John Cusack isn't exactly yelling, everybody find a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's the way you would react. There's so many moments in this movie where I'm like, yeah, you know what? The the good and the bad. Like I probably would do that. If I knew I'm dead in 24 hours, if I knew the kids and Jamie are dead, if I knew that Noah is dead, I'd let Ben die. But if I know Noah's going to die, I mean, if, (laughs) if Tanya Roberts could potentially die, am I going to warn her? Wait a second. This just in. Tanya Roberts just died. So, oh um, no! Wow. Oh, but you know what? Whoa, whoa. This just in her her rep warned her, so I think Tanya Roberts is still alive. Oh, uh, right. oh, so I've got some news too, Colin. Uh, Michael what? Keaton's Batman. Um, <laughs> that's new. Uh, um, oh wait, no, no, he's not. No, he's not. Oh, this is uh, Tom Hardy's James Bond. Oh no, wait, that was just a, a Star Trek fan blog that's Oh, hang okay. on. Matthew Perry's James Bond. Oh, <laughs> finally, it's you happening. I, I I really hate to say this, and people are people are gonna hate me for even bringing up the term, but uh, it's taken to the end of Trump's presidency for a lot of people to realize fake news actually is a thing. It's just not what Trump claims it is. <laughs> fake well, news is a thing. Colin, you know what we have to do here? We have to go storm MGM. Uh, we yes. have to go storm it. Uh, we'll get put on no fly list. We'll get banned from Twitter. <laughs> Uh, we'll be called domestic terrorists. It's about time. It's finally, finally uh, going to happen. Um, but we're doing it in the name of Tanya Roberts, so it's exactly okay. everything for for Tanya Roberts. But no, I think like yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that this is a movie that 
you, you know, no one's innocent. Um, and th- that middle part of the movie where you've got those characters, it's that, that's where I come back down to the realistic take on it. And like, this is again where this film feels so relevant. Like, we've seen selfish acts from humans in the last 12 months and yeah. we've just got a, a bit of a cold going around the world right now. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't start tweeting me saying that I'm a COVID <laughs> denier. Let's be honest. It's a bit of a cold. All right. Like this isn't a comet <laughs> coming to earth. There's a difference. Yeah. Big, big difference between, Hey, you might die if you get in contact with somebody and you're all dead in 48 hours, everybody like, alive. Listen to this episode. Like, if we've got 48 hours to live, is one of your last things you will do alive, listen to this episode and go, What oh, a depressing remember- thought. I know, right? Remember, remember <laughs> the good old days when we were arguing that people were idiots for buying toilet paper? Like, I mean, this would be <laughs> times a million trillion on that. But, like, but you're right. Like, in that situation, you've got to be selfish. It's, yeah. I, I mean, there are people out there who are genuine human beings. Um, Mallory and I had this conversation the other day about, we were talking about something and, and Mallory is that type of person who in an end of the world situation is going to help people get on a plane. I'm like, fuck them. Like it's us. Like we want to survive. And mm-hmm. Mallory's like, no, no, no. We need to help a hundred starving Africans on the other <laughs> side of the world. Get on this plane. Like Mallory, we're in Canada. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go get the Africans. Like that's what she's going to do. Um, you're, you, I'm with you and Jamie. Uh, like you don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Casper and the twins are already dead. Ah, fuck it. Let's get on the plane. Um, but and Noah, true story, still couldn't get a date at the end of the world. If he's the only surviving male and everyone else is female, still the population of the world. Classic joke, humour from 2020. Um, but, yeah, like that sequence is very interesting kind of when, when that is sort of happening. Um, and then... The one thing actually that I'll say, the end, the very end scene, which is so similar to 2012, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, 2012, they get to the shelter in the Himalayas and they've got a fight to get into the, you know, the bunker, right? Um, that's another one of these like cliche moments and I'm expecting something to happen, but it goes completely opposite direction. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's not what I was thinking was going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I'm not familiar with Rick Roman War. I'll be completely honest with you. I've not seen uh, Angel Has Fallen. Uh, I'm looking at here his other ones he's directed. I mean, I've seen Gone in 60 Seconds, but he was a stunt guy on that movie. Last Action Hero, obviously, he worked on the stunts. In terms of the movies he's directed, uh, never seen any of them. So um, is this the second film he's done with Gerard Butler or any of his other Gerard, yeah. films, Gerard Butler movies? No, I think it's just Angel Has Fallen, which, uh, I mean... To me, Angel Has Fallen is one of these movies where, hey, this should have been terrible, but it actually was better than expected. Uh, so much so that I think they made it expecting it to be the last of the series and people liked it enough that they said, let's let's keep this series going that should have died a long time ago. Um, I mean, he's directed quite a few things. Uh, it's just I don't think he's really had that massive breakthrough yet. And it's kind of sad that, uh, you know, the 2020 sort of buried this movie. I mean, this movie is still sort of slowly trickling out all over the world you didn't and it's not out. really news <laughs> yeah exactly and and i you know just reading up on it it's like well it's sort of out but it sort of isn't it's gonna mm. th- th- it's it's almost like when you used to have limited release for movies <laughs> when we used to have i guess everything is limited release now but uh <laughs> back in the good old days before covid you'd have movies that started in limited release and then they would slowly expand more and more theaters and it, it seems like they're trying that is like uh, you know, an on-demand platform. But I mean, this thing came out theatrically. It's just nobody's talking about it. And uh, I'm not going to say the guy who made Angel Has Fallen and Snitch is going to go on to be a great director. But I mean, he's shown 
a lot of restraint in this movie that I think that there's potential that maybe you give him a big budget movie. He could make something really interesting better than 2012. Yeah, it's interesting the release of this because I think you and I discovered this was a thing maybe a few months back and then I think it got released in Europe. I think it's been out in like Denmark and Belgium for nearly six months and then kind of I think we were talking about, hey, let's cover that movie when it comes out and it just kept getting pushed back like everything last year and then I just I just was talking to Mal, I think when we were maybe talking about Gerard Butler before we watched freaking Chasing Maverick or just whatever that movie is called. Um, and I just decided to look up to see if this is available. I saw that it had been released on um, what is even the video video demand thing that it had been released on in the States. I feel it's something I'd never heard of. Um, mm. It was some random one. And then I think it got put on HBO Max and Prime in other places. Yeah, well, actually, it hasn't even been put on there. I'm seeing here that it will be put on there in early 2021. So yeah. um, it's very weird, yeah, sort of how this has been released. So people listening to this might now might not be able to have access to this for a couple of like, Oh, Ben, Colin, you're making it now. You're getting previews of movies. Yeah, let's call it that. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting around that, and it's, it's it's a bit of a shame that this is this will probably be forgotten about. I mean, we we saw the big release around Tenet, that was kind of the one. Wonder Woman finally got this release. Uh, there are a few others out there, Mulan, um, you know, things like that, where there was a lot of news. But this is just one of those ones where it's kind of like, oh, it's sort of out, and like I, this is definitely going to be forgotten about. <laughs> like no one's yeah. really going to care. Um, which at the end of the day, I mean, this movie costs thirty five million dollars to make. I'm seeing here it's made $47.8 million at the time of recording this. So uh, This is the most profitable film of 2020. Like, that's yeah. no joke. This may be the most profitable film of the year. Which, at the end of the day, good for them. Um, but, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, this movie's not going to get nominated for Oscars. But, like, in, a, in an interesting movie year when people are saying certain movies, like, Tenet might be nominated for Oscars. Like, oh, let's hope not. This is a better movie than Tenet. Uh, it's probably got some better acting performances in it than Tenet. I mean, we're only going to have a weird year. Yeah. If you're going to put them in the equation, fucking put Greenland in the equation for Oscars yeah. because I don't think Gerard Butler uh, or <laughs> Marina Baccarin do anything worse than freaking Denzel Washington Jr. Well, and, and you know what? It may seem like a joke. If I think that the Oscars are going to come out and we're either going to see a bunch of movies that nobody has ever heard of, even in a year like this, nobody's ever heard of, uh, they get all the nominations or we're going to see some crazy things like that, like maybe a Ewan McGregor Birds of Prey, which I think is we're the only ones pitching for right now. Uh, but there are a couple scenes in this movie that you'll be surprised might give you a little bit of that Oscars goosebump. Uh, it, the Scott Glenn scene for one, where he's mm. talking with Gerard Butler. It's one scene. It's a small role for Scott Glenn, but like Scott Glenn gives it his all like that is an Oscar worthy clip. If this isn't an Oscar worthy movie, there are some Oscar worthy moments in here. Marina Baccarin too. She has a couple moments, uh, particularly with when she's alone with her son, uh, when they're, they're trying to evacuate where she goes against what you would expect an actress would do, you know, in that type of scene. And I think that's, that's sort of the welcome surprise of this movie is that it's just familiar enough with your typical end of the world disaster movies while also giving you these little surprises. You're like, Oh, they changed just enough that, you know, this feels fresh. Yeah. And, and again, that's the major takeaway I think from this movie. And, and like, from what I'm seeing reviews, I think we mentioned like this, this everyone's kind of saying the same, like, Oh, pff, I had no expectations of this movie. It's an end of the world movie with Gerard Butler. You know, we saw Geostorm. What are we to expect? Yeah. Um, and this is what we got. And again, I harped on it a lot last year. This is kind of 2020 movies in a nutshell. 
no expectations and at the end of the day pretty good movie um you know i think there's only what what, one or two movies we talked about last year like yeah no this isn't good but i i yeah i would easily watch this but Tenet was one of our disappointments last yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, the one that – was that the only new movie – oh, well, I mean, I guess we saw a new movie. Remember the start of last year when we were so innocent and didn't know anything that was going to happen? Oh. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of, like, new movies we saw last year. I could probably count them on one hand, Colin. That's the first. Do you know what's – well, you know what's crazy is that when we started 2020, we had our initial schedule of everything we were going to do. Bad Boys for Life, we were going to do a Bad Boys month. But we're like, you know what, we've got – so many movies coming out in 2020 that we got to scratch something. Let's scratch bad boys. You know, <laughs> bad boys ends up the only thing that ends up coming out. And the highest grossing movie of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, um, exactly. Literally last year, what did I say at the cinemas? Uh, Sonic, Birds of Prey, Tenet. Uh, I feel like there's other ones in like January, February that I saw. I, I, I didn't see much before everything closed, um, but I did see it during our brief reopening, uh, Liam Neeson movie, Honest Thief. I saw oh, the yeah. New Mutants. Mallory saw that. Uh, New Mutants was actually, maybe again, it's just 2020 expectations, but you hear so many bad things. I'm like, that was better than expected. Not great, but better than expected. So yeah, once, I mean, that's the other thing. What, why it's confusing that they haven't given this some type of theatrical release because you go back to September, Liam Neeson opened number one at the box office. There was a Kevin Costner, Diane Lane drama that opened number one of the box office and is still in the top 10 months later what's that why called? No, this is isn't it called oh, like let him go because i it pops up I've, I've got like a hulu tv and it's got that weird um app where you get movies and tv shows for free but there's ads in the middle of it um mm-hmm. and it keeps popping up on my like watch this movie and so i see diane lane um, let him go yeah let him go and every time i see it i'm thinking like is that them like trying to let go of clark kent yeah like, i just see them <laughs> like they've got this solemn look and like looking off and i'm like oh this is the spin-off of man of steel let him go yeah <laughs> But, like, those movies are still making money. And you say yeah. what you want, you know, the big budget movies, they're all going to take a hit. You know, some like Tenet and Wonder Woman, I actually admire the fact that they're trying to recover some investment and, and give the theater owners something to keep them afloat with. But these small movies are actually doing probably the same amount they would have done if you released them in any other normal year. Yeah. Greenland, I think, is just big enough of a movie that it could have drawn some people in. When Let them go and Honest Thief, I mean... Those are just the theater diehards like us that are paying to see it. Uh, Greenland could have given enough of a boost without actually, you know, breaking the studio. So it's just, it's just weird they didn't give this a theatrical release. I'm thinking nearly half the movies I saw in 2020 were old. Like the last movie I've seen at the cinemas was The Santa Claus. Um, and I also saw Back to the Future. Um, and similar, like they've closed down all, all hours now. So there's nothing we can see at the moment. But um yeah, well, one thing I want to quickly add before we get, wrap this up, um, big Canada connection to this movie, Colin, and there was a slight Australia connection at the very end uh, in sort of this brief sequence where they, the, the one sequence they kind of show global destruction because basically any of the cities getting destroyed or damage we see is via news footage, which is kind of very clever. Um, but we sort of get a like a 30-second montage clip of, hey, this is how bad this is, this is what, you know. So there's a brief shot of Sydney. Uh, poor old Sydney's gone. Um, and, but the Canada connection, uh, once again, Canada is important to this movie. Everyone's got to get to Canada, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they're trying to do right now too, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Some of the stuff going on down South. Everyone's, Let's go to Canada. Everyone's going to Canada. Um, I mean, I'm going to buy this movie. I'm assuming you're going to buy this movie yeah. as well. 
Yeah. And you know what? We could say, would we buy this in any other year? I would say, yes. I think this is yeah. still a viable movie, even if it isn't a 2020 movie. This is, uh, it, it's, there's, there's a lot of moments in this movie that I, I would love to revisit even right now. I, you don't even have to. I mean, it's great to watch the movie start to finish, but there's just sequences in this that I'm like, oh, I'd love to go watch that one sequence again. And it is just all human drama. It's, it's such a unique disaster movie. You know, I think it's everything that Bird Box could have been. <laughs> this movie needed more B.D. Wong, basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, make B.D. Wong like the main star of a, you know, like that would work. Stop being racist, well, Hollywood. Well, Cast B.D. Wong as a leading man. We'll do it. We'll make the Oz Network movie. He'll play the role of, I don't know, Noah. <laughs> that'll no, really no. that'll really get under Noah's skin. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, there, there's got to be a certain level with that one. The Oz Network movie. Now, there's a movie everybody will be uh, <laughs> lining up to see. Um, speaking of movies everyone's lining up to see, um, Swinging Safari. Uh, we're kicking off <laughs> Australia v Canada Month uh, in a couple of days, and we're starting off with the iconic 2018 film, Swinging Safari, which if you listen to that one, you'll hear us at the end going, hey, do we have a review of Greenland coming out? Maybe it's already out. So, well, you know the answer to us being idiots at the end of that. Colin, do you have anything to say on Swinging Safari or do you want to leave it completely surprised? I, I will say it all in a few days. Uh, tune in. <laughs> and do we have anything else coming up? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, what's the next major movie release? Oh. Uh, I felt like there was something coming out uh, I mean, there's WandaVision this weekend. I don't know if I'm intrigued enough to even watch that, let alone cover. I'll probably on watch it. it, but I don't. I'm not intrigued to do an episode on the, the only Disney Plus thing I'm wanting to do an episode this year is is Mighty Ducks. Uh, yeah, which I don't know when that comes out. And actually, I think we're a lot closer to the Snyder Cut. I thought the Snyder Cut came out the end of the year, but I believe it comes out in March. So it's spring, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah. There's. I don't. I don't know what the next movie is. We don't know. There I was think- something. I, I know there was something in January. Um, I'm just having trouble. I'm going to I'm gonna look it up. Well, it's you not ramble. no time to die because apparently that's been delayed again. Yeah. So. <laughs> Come on. Just show us Bond. Like, uh, at least I'll save on the money on if it goes to November again. They've got all those old posters that say November on it. So that's probably what they're doing. <laughs> uh, hasn't been confirmed yet. This is like Tanya Roberts. We don't know. But the, the big whispers is that it's about to be. Oh, it, ha- it has been confirmed. We just confirmed it. And oh, right. Okay, we, will we did. Return. We we'll are. retract it in about 12 hours. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Michael Keaton, also Batman, um, <laughs> which I, I I jumped into that straight away. It's all right. You're... Oh, no, I found it now. Oh, yeah. It comes out this weekend. Again, I don't know where it's going to be available, but Liam Neeson's new movie, The Marksman. Oh, does Liam Neeson just star in the same movie now? Like, Of course like... he does, and it's beautiful every time. I feel Liam Neeson just wakes up every morning with a script on his table, guys. Yep, okay. <laughs> Like, it's like Nicolas Cage just says yes to everything, but all his go to video, right? Whereas Liam Neeson's still yeah. bankable enough that it just goes to cinemas, but nobody cares. Oh, Liam Neeson's got revenge. Got to go see it. <laughs> no, see, it's it's the um, it, it's the, the Die Hard effect. It used to be, well, let's do Die Hard on a bus. Let's do a Die Hard on a boat. Now it's, let's have Liam Neeson in uh, on a train. Liam Neeson on a snowplow. <laughs> What's, um, is it Tyler Perry? Uh, the Survivor idol Tyler Perry dude that doesn't he just like do the same movie over and over again but he's obviously got like a certain audience that just buys them all the time so like that's just oh, Liam yeah. Neeson you know I mean, except those are all called Medea something so I right. think they actually are the same movie <laughs> okay okay well maybe uh, oh, I've only seen the first think Taken. about the day 
Think about the day that we get Medea versus Liam Neeson. Oh, hey, well, I'd be I'd be down for that. Tyler Perry is actually a pretty good actor, isn't he? When he does like a, a mainstream. Yeah, film? he's not bad. Yeah, wasn't he in mm-hmm. um, Gone Girl? Uh, I think he was. I, I I can picture him with Ben Affleck. I mean, I know he. A lot of people didn't like it, but that uh, that Alex Cross reboot that he tried to do. You know, I thought that he—he's no Morgan Freeman, but he—he he wasn't bad in it. I'm—I'm I'm picturing him with Ben Affleck. Um, that's—that's that's a different. Oh, you're story. picturing him with Ben Affleck. Oof, yeah. Yes, massive dongs, both there, of them. There's there's some dongs. Yeah, that, that, the dong off. <laughs> oh God, dongs in 2021. <laughs> um, we're gonna be back for those. Yeah, swinging safari. And just on a closing note, I want to say that I agree with you, Colin Hilding. Anime is just an animated film. Um, if if Jane yes. is listening, um, <laughs> loved her post last night, and uh, and also, but on the on the flip side of that, Colin Corn's disgusting. Like, what's wrong with you? I mean, it's the, the hot dogs are the disgusting part, but uh, you might as well ruin corn with a hot dog. Corn's already ruined. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> I don't need to do the closing because you're about to hear my voice say it. If you didn't know that uh, deep voice at the end is mine. Um, so, <laughs> go see Greenland whenever you can. My name is Ben, and look at their faces, all the people. They're all the same. <laughs> Can't think of a closing line. Oh, <laughs> life flashes before your eyes. Wouldn't it be great if it didn't before you died? Sure, that one. And my name is Colin, and that deep voice you hear at the end is not me. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. 